Luke 11, 1 to 13, and at the end I'll say, uh, this is the word of the Lord, and you can say thanks be to God. Once again, Jesus was in a certain place praying. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who, who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Then, teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Yep, that's in the Bible. <laughs> Jesus said it. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives Everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can have a seat. Well, we're uh, walking with Jesus through Luke's gospel this summer, and we are learning alongside his first disciples what it means to follow Jesus. And uh, we've seen some interesting encounters, some significant situations and conversations, and we're learning as we travel this journey with Jesus about what it means to follow him, to live in his ways. And we could have guessed that sooner or later we would come to the topic of prayer. If you hang out with Jesus long enough, if you spend enough time around him, then you have to imagine that sooner or later there's going to be a conversation about prayer. There's going to be some talk about, about prayer. I, I love to think of prayer. I was even having a conversation with a friend of mine this week uh, about prayer as the great equalizer in the life of discipleship. Prayer as the great leveler of all disciples. Um, think about it with me. On the one hand, prayer is perhaps the most profound Christian practice that a disciple of Jesus can participate and engage in. So much has been written about prayer. So much has been thought about prayer. So much has been taught about prayer. So much has been talked about and developed in regards to prayer. Uh, the different experiences of prayer. I remember I took a class in seminary, prayer patterns and practices. 
and we just talked about prayer, and we prayed, and then we talked about prayer some more. There's a lot of depth in this. I think of prayer warriors. You know that, that phrase, right? If you haven't heard that, don't worry. It's not a violent term. It's a wonderful term. A prayer warrior. Some people in our own local church, and I'm looking at some of you, and, and you know if you are one or not, perhaps. You know who I'm, the kind of people I'm talking about. In the church, when I was growing up, when I was in high school, our church had a lady named Mrs. Granger. I don't know what her first name was. She was actually Sister Granger. And I, I remember Mrs. Granger as like the prayer warrior of the local congregation that I spent time in, that I was a part of when I was in junior high and high school. These kind of people like Mrs. Granger that just seem to have like special access, like an all-access pass to God. And and a special line of communication that was open and, and active between herself and God. And, and it just seemed like around that church, I just remember things like this. like, well, I, I got something I really need God to help me with. Well, you better talk to Mrs. Granger. <laughs> I mean, it was like, I know we can talk to God ourselves, but she seems to have some special access. So you better get in touch with Sister Granger. And there have been people like Mrs. Granger, and there have been both in this local church, as I said, and in the church around the, the globe and throughout history, the prayers of these people are powerful and effective. And we have, I, I know this, and you can say, most of us, if not all of us, can say with confidence that we have been, we have been carried by the prayers of people like this at times in our lives. Have we not? Just nod with me if that resonates at all. I mean, we have been carried by the prayers, spiritually, by the prayers of people like this who have, you know, we might say a master's degree or even a PhD in, in prayer. So, so profound. But, it, but it's the great equalizer. Catch this because prayer is also what we might think of as the, the most accessible practice as well for disciples of Jesus, or even would-be disciples of Jesus, those who are still not yet fully following Jesus, but are interested in him. In fact, the friend I was talking to about prayer this week, he said, you know, I had a conversation with a friend of mine who, who, who I tried to talk to about Jesus a little bit, and then he basically told me I'm an agnostic, and I don't really want to talk about that right now. And then as we were leaving, he said to me, yeah, could you pray for my grandma? <laughs> it was like, well, what is it? <laughs> what, what's it going to be? And, and it just, it speaks to this reality that, that prayer is very accessible. And it's, it's a practice and a, that, that God has made available to, to people at every place in, in the, the journey of discipleship. No, no real biblical background or theological training necessary, not required, just a heart that hungers at some level after God. I, I think especially, and Sean and, and, and Rick are both here with a little bit of gear on, I think, I think about the black sheep uh, motorcycle ministry and the way that the black sheep use, not, not in a bad way, but, but use prayer in, a, in an evangelistic sort of way and in a really, just a powerful way with people who may not yet be believers in Jesus or who are just beginning in that. I, I know at, 
at different events, they off, they've offered free boot shines and free prayer. And it's just, it's, it's amazing, the stories that I've heard about people who will take them up for a boot shine. Thank you very much. And by the way, I'd love it if you could pray for me about this as well. The black sheep participate, and I've gotten to be a part of one of these. They participate in bike blessings. And if you haven't ever seen or heard of this, it's, it's amazing. People just want their bikes to be blessed. But the black sheep have a way of also blessing the biker and sneaking in some. I've seen pictures of some of these bike blessings where men in leather jackets have been standing around in huddles with arms wrapped around each other, praying for each other. The black sheep will go to the hospital room of a, of a downed biker who has been injured and offer a free blanket with the black sheep logo on it. And also they'll offer free prayer. It's just beautiful how this idea of prayer has been used so powerfully in kind of an entry-level kind of way. Uh, Anne Lamott, a writer, she says that the two best prayers are, help me, help me, help me, and thank you, thank you, thank you. And it seems like that's pretty accurate. And these are prayers that anybody can pray. And most people have prayed and do pray at one point or another. What we know is this, that whether it's for the experienced prayer warrior or for the one just beginning, prayer, uh, the indispensability of prayer, the essentialness of prayer, the importance of prayer emerges from the fact that it puts the one who is praying in contact with a gracious and good and loving God. Whatever place one might be in the journey of discipleship, on the walk with Jesus, prayer is this moment in which that one is put into contact with this God who has shown himself to be loving and gracious and good. And so it isn't surprising that when the disciples ask Jesus about prayer, that he doesn't give them a lot of mechanics. He, he does offer them a model prayer, but he doesn't give them a lot of strategies or methods. But he lends, leads them into this ultimate reality of living in relationship with this one to whom we pray. It's fitting here, and I hope you noticed it in Luke's gospel, that his teaching on prayer emerges not from the midst of a sermon, Jesus isn't, this isn't the Sermon on the Mount. It's not the Sermon on the Plain. He's not in the middle of a, of a great teaching that he had, you know, prepared and was delivering. It comes in the context of him being caught in the act of prayer. I remember when, when our kids were little sometimes, and still it happens, I walk in on people in our home who are praying. It's just a wonderful thing to catch people doing. Wonderful thing to be caught doing, by the way, especially if you're a parent of young kids. Just set it up somehow so that you can get caught by your kids praying. I don't want to give away your strategies, your secrets, but it's really important. He, he's not, Jesus isn't giving an effective, you know, a seminar on how to have an effective prayer life. He's praying. And he comes back from this prayer. Or he, I, he emerges from this time of prayer. And I can kind of picture the scene 
He's, he's finishing up his time of prayer again with the Father. And if you want to talk about, you know, the mystery of prayer, let's just talk about Jesus praying to the Father. But he does it over and over and over. And, and he emerges from this time of prayer. And I, it's not clear whether the disciples kind of walked up on him in his place of, of solitude or of whether he emerged from that place of solitude. And the, and the disciples, I can just kind of picture the scene. They look at each other and they're like, well, there he is, praying again to the Father. And I can just hear the wheels spinning in the disciples' minds, especially one in particular. And he says, why don't, I mean, John's disciples have been taught how to pray. He always is praying. Why doesn't he ever teach us how to pray? Jesus, teach us how to pray. I don't know if that's all that was going on in his mind before he came to that, that, that question or that, that, that ask. Teach us to pray. But it was as if, man, I, I hope that you caught some of the flavor of this passage because it was as if that simple request by the disciple opened the floodgates for Jesus as he began to, to pour out upon them all that uh, he had to say about prayer in this moment. I can imagine Jesus in response to the Lord, teach us how to pray, thinking to himself, I thought you'd never ask. And Jesus engages and launches into this, this, uh, this discussion of prayer, not from a textbook, not from the experiences of others that he heard about, but from the overflow of his own experience, personally contacting, connecting with the loving and gracious and good God. Um, and what we discover is, is a lot of stuff here. <laughs> There's not time to go through it all. But what we discover is that while the disciples were likely in, interested in the mechanics, the what and the why and the when and the how, Jesus is most interested in the person, the who. Jesus' response from, from a model prayer to a parable to some further points on prayer all speak ultimately to this reality that in prayer the greatest desire of God is that we would not just get our, our methods right, but that our heart would be drawn near to the heart of God. And how important that is for us as well with all the, uh, all the challenges that we face in life. All the all the prayer requests that we, you know, throw up and all the ones that we get asked to consider and all the expectations and hopes and all the unmet expectations and, and unmet hopes, all the challenges, all our questions, it's all completely understandable. But how important it is for us as well to hear Jesus saying, when we get to the heart of prayer, when we really want to talk about what it means to be a disciple and what it means to live a life of prayer, it's not about the, the what and the why and the when and the how. It's about, it's about the who. Jesus wants to talk, as one writer said, about invitation, not so much explanation. And he invites us 
into this relationship with God through prayer. Um, this, uh, this invitation to intimacy, really. We throw that word around maybe a little bit in different settings, but, but that's really, it seems like the best word that this whole thrust of Jesus' teaching can help us to, to, to kind of tune into. Just this invitation in prayer of God to his people to become intimate partners and family members with him in, in life. Um, Jesus begins and ends. I mean, you look back at the Bible. He begins and ends his teaching referring to God as Father. And uh, now he's tapping in not only to Israel's historic relationship to God as Father, but to this new reality, this new personal closeness that disciples can have with God because of the relationship that Jesus has with him. It's not some far-off, distant being to whom we pray, but to our Abba, to our Daddy that we come to. It's not some uh, far-off, removed, anonymous benefactor who gives good gifts to his children, but a proud Papa who longs to give of himself and to give good gifts to his, to his kids. The disciples are invited to pray with the same familiarity that Jesus, with which Jesus prayed. And this just changes everything. When we begin to pray and understand Jesus, our, the Father at this intimate level, it changes everything. We, we come to this intimate communion where we're known and where we know and the fact that the one to whom we pray can be thought of in such an intimate way markedly affects the way that we come before him and the confidence with which we offer our prayers. And so we pray as he teaches us to provide us with all that we need on a daily basis. And so we pray that just as we forgive others, we will with assurance know the forgiveness that God offers. We pray with this incredible confidence that though we're surrounded by temptation and evil and and, and that which would seek to entangle us and trip us up, we can, we can pray with confidence this is, that this one that we know intimately is protecting us and providing for us in the midst of such a world. And we know that this, because we know this God is Father, we pray bold prayers. Some of you are really good at praying bold prayers. This passage is all about praying bold prayers for the world, for our community, for the church, for your family. Some of you come and light a candle. I see that none of them are lit today. You're always invited to come and light a, light a candle as a, as a way of, 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 of symbolizing your, your bold confidence that the, that the light of Jesus in the world is is spreading and reaching to every place where there's darkness. This intimate communion that we can know with the Father emboldens us. Emboldens us without shame, even like a neighbor not concerned with waking up their neighbor at midnight because they need some bread to feed their midnight visitor is 
not ashamed to say, I need some bread. Give me some bread. And actually, the NLT adds some language that talks about the persistence of it. The actual translation, the original translation, doesn't really speak about the persistent in this particular passage about asking over and over and over. It just really refers to one request. And this, this little parable of the, 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 the neighbors at midnight really seems to speak about that first, ultimate, bold request. Out of the silence of midnight, to pierce the silence and the darkness, to a household that is likely sleeping all together in one room. And if you're the parent of young children, you know what happens if that room wakes up. They don't go back to sleep for a while. And yet to have the boldness to ask this. I was, I, I, as I was thinking about this story, I was reminded of, of a, a, an incident that I was a part of that just kind of just brought this right to home. And it was just a few weeks ago. And I was on a trip with, with the basketball team that I'm, I'm coaching, helping to coach, and we were staying overnight. We actually took our, all our guys down to Point Loma, and we, had, we were playing in a tournament down there. And we were staying overnight, and, uh, and I had my own room and one of our other coaches, and then there was another coach from another team and another coach here. And, and uh, our, our, my fellow assistant coach went to bed in his room, and the lights had been out and the door had been shut for a while. And I was in my room and I was reading or doing something and I had the door open. And one of the other coaches that I didn't know came up to me and he said, hey, uh, somebody in that room? And I said, yeah, I, I, yeah, that's our assistant coach. And yeah, I think he's in there. He goes, well, my sleeping bag and my pillow are in that room because I thought it was mine. And so I put my stuff in there. And uh, so I don't have anything to, to sleep with. And I said, well, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll wake him up. No, I didn't say that. I said, well, you can wake him up if you want to. Because <laughs> I know this coach, and I didn't want to be the one standing at the front door to that dorm room when he got woken up from his slumber. And so I said, yeah, it, he's in there, and your stuff's probably in there, and I'll be in there. <laughs> And I literally walked to my room, sat down and listened for the knock, knock, knock. And, uh, yeah, what do you want? There's my uh, pillow, my sleeping bag in there. Oh, yeah, 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 there it is. Good night. (laughs) I was like, I'm so glad I missed that. I'm so glad I'm in here. But it made me think about how easy it is to avoid the bold requests. It made me think how Quickly, I shied away from that confrontation, from that, that, that interaction that would have maybe made things a little bit uncomfortable for a moment. How easy it was for me to say, yeah, that's your own problem. I'll be over here. And in this story, Jesus talks about the one who is, I'm not ashamed. It's shameless persistence. I'm not ashamed of this because, because in, in the non-parable reality, the one to whom he makes this bold request is one who values this person and who values that bold request and who values this interaction that comes from an intimacy that has been developed in relationship. We're invited out of this intimate 
union, this invitation to intimacy, to make bold requests before God, to come to Him uh, not hesitating, not reluctant. The Father is willing and able, ready to respond to all those who call upon Him. And He gives willingly. You see, this intimate union that, that we're invited into in prayer is not just it doesn't just give us like this encouragement to pray bold prayers, but it reminds us that, that this God is incredibly generous. That, that he's, a, he's an amazingly generous God. And, and Jesus goes on to tell, it, it, who, if you ask for a fish, are you going to give him a snake? No, you're not going to do that. And for, for an egg, you're going to give him a, what is it, a a scorpion, I almost stepped on one of those one time. I, no, we're not going to do it. And if you, who are evil people, then I would not give these kinds of negative gifts, but only give good gifts, then think how much more the Father wants to do that, to give, to give, to give. My wife and daughter left on Tuesday, I believe it was, of this week, to go down and meet with... Katie's college roommate-to-be. And as they were pulling out of the driveway, actually, as I was pulling out of the driveway, I heard some things come out of my mouth that I haven't said before, potentially ever. But I know at least it had been a long time. And I said to Katie as I pulled out of the driveway and down the street, I yelled out, Buy whatever you want. <laughs> Just get as much as you as much as you want. Just buy the whole store. If you see something you like, buy it. Moment of weakness, right? <laughs> that is what that is. They were going to shop for their their room supplies and school stuff, whatever they might think they need. The, 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 I don't even know what they put in those dorm rooms these days, but Pinterest has a lot of options. <laughs> let's, just say, let's just say that. And, uh, I mean, it's incredible. And even knowing that, I said, get it. You see it. Just get it. And as I kept driving, I was like, what have I said? What have I done? Oh, no. I, I think that momentary weakness is the heart of God 100% of the time. Well, ask, you'll receive. Seek and keep searching, you'll find. Knock, it'll be opened up to you. The resources of heaven stand ready and available to you. This isn't a blank check for whatever your heart's desire is at Target. It is a blank check for whatever spiritual resource could be made available to you in the life in which you live. Listen, friends, Luke gives us the words of Jesus uniquely here to the other Gospels when, when Jesus says, his final words here. He, he says, how much more will your heavenly Father give? Did you see this? 
It, it, Luke does not say, how much more will your heavenly Father give to you whatever you desire? He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, how much more will God the Father give to you all the resources? He says, how much more will God give to you the Holy Spirit? And I read that this week, and I thought to myself, What? Honestly, I don't know if you had that reaction, but I'm reading it. It's all nice. It's good. It's flowing. Of course not. If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And, and, it, and it, it's begun to dawn on me a little bit this, this week that, that it only makes sense. That, that in prayer, God invites us into intimate union with himself. And so in response to prayer, God doesn't want to just give us stuff. He wants to give us himself. And so when we pray about our daily bread, we're not praying just for stuff. We're praying for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> or or, or we're, maybe we're praying for stuff, but God is giving the Holy Spirit who is providing us with what we need. When we pray about receiving forgiveness, God gives the Holy Spirit who reminds us of the grace and the love of God who forgives us. And the Holy Spirit who inspires, are you hearing this? And empowers us to be forgiving people. And we ask God to protect us from, from evil and from, from temptation. God doesn't just, okay, here's your protective energy. He gives us the Holy Spirit who strengthens us from the inside and surrounds us with His loving and strong presence and empowers us to know from the inside, from our very, the depths of our spirit that, that we can live in a world like this because we're not on our own. We have a comforter, uh, one who abides with us, the very presence, the very personal presence of God. I, I just wonder if for you this might be as revolutionary as it has been for me this week. That when I pray a prayer request, when someone asks me to pray for them, or I'm made aware of a need, and I pray for that, and I ask, and I seek, and I knock, that the way that God is likely going to respond to me is not necessarily by, by solving that particular issue, but by, by His Holy Spirit bursting into the scene. And his Holy Spirit being unleashed into the situation. And his Holy Spirit being poured out bountifully, abundantly upon those who so desperately need him. This quote, and then I'll be done. Um, this is a guy named Richard Rohr. He he said it like this, the answer to every prayer is the same. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
even if you ask for something else in prayer, (laughs) when we come in confidence, God's going to give us His Spirit. And then He said this, If there is an influx of the Spirit, then God has answered the prayer. So I'd encourage us not only to be looking for the ways that we need God's Spirit to come and to burst onto the scene, but looking for the places in our own lives and in the situations around us where God's Spirit has miraculously and spiritually and in ways that we couldn't manipulate or define or somehow create. God's Spirit has shown up. God's Spirit has burst into the scene. And there, there, prayer is being answered. Amen. Let's stand together, can we? We invite our worship team to come on up here and lead us in singing. And we're singing this song, I think, here for you. And, and this is a song that we normally sing as a call to worship. And uh, in fact, a portion of this song is, a, is an ancient prayer that just speaks of, you know, here we are, have your way in us. And it's a, it's a wonderful call to worship. But we thought even weeks ago as we planned these services that this song would be very appropriate and fitting here because this is what we want to say as we come to God in prayer. I'm here for you. I'm here for your spirit to have your spirit's way in my life. And I just wonder, though, as we sing this song, if there might not be some of us who would just want to respond. And as we begin to sing, I'm going to invite our prayer team to Ken, just come and kind of stand off to the side here somewhere. But if there'd, if there'd just be some that would want to just come and say, I'm, Lord, teach me to pray. Lord, I, I want that intimate communion. I want to, I want to know the, the goodness and the gracious. I want, to, I want to pray bold prayers. There's something in my life right now that I need, to, I need to yell at you at midnight about, God. I just need to pray bold prayers knowing that you're gracious and you're kind and you hear me even as I do. There might be some who just need to come and maybe kneel and pray and just say, I don't even know how to pray for this situation, God. I I thought I did, but now I don't know. And so, God, would you just give your Holy Spirit into that situation? Would you pour your Holy Spirit into my life in a new and a fresh way as I offer my prayers to you? Let's sing together. And if you'd like to be one who would come and stand or come and kneel, or even just as as a show of your commitment to this to come even and just be seated if kneeling or standing is uncomfortable for you i just invite us to come and let's pray as we respond to god let's do it let's sing